Welcome to our podcast that we call The Jesus Book, where we participate in a Bible study weekly to show that the Bible is a book about Jesus and the reason that we study it is to learn about Him. Now today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, at least the first part of it, because Luke is a very important document showing and highlighting the humanity of Jesus. The Jesus of Luke is a very human Jesus, and that's important because God became a man. That is the story of the incarnation. That's the story of the birth of Jesus. That's the story of the Son of God coming into the world, that God became a man, the Christian message. God becomes a man to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And so he is the God man and first timothy chapter 2 tells us there is one god and one mediator between god and man the man christ jesus as god he represents god to man as man he represents man to god he is the god man and luke's emphasis is on that and it's important to understand that now luke was a companion of paul and he was a physician and he knew how to look at evidence and he opens up his gospel by telling us that he has carefully considered the evidence and has come away believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And these are the things that are most surely believed among us, and these are the things that we need to take to heart. He starts off with the birth of Jesus, at least the announcement of the birth in chapter 1. And John the Baptist's birth is also announced. Now, John the Baptist was a cousin to Jesus, but more importantly, he was the forerunner that Isaiah spoke of in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah said that the voice of one crying in the wilderness would appear to make the paths of the Lord straight, to prepare people, in other words, for the coming of Christ into the world. And that's the way God decided to do it, to use a harbinger, to use a man like John the Baptist, a wilderness preacher, to prepare the way for his son. And that's exactly what John did. John's birth is special because Zacharias and Elizabeth, his parents, uh, are past the traditional age of, of bearing children. And so Gabriel comes and tells them that they were going to have a child and tells Zacharias specifically. And John the Baptist was born and became a man that grew up to do exactly what God called him to do. Jesus said there's never been a greater man than John the Baptist. And so we need to read his story and read what he does in chapter three when he begins his ministry because he is calling people to repentance. And that's the way that you get people ready for Jesus. To accept Jesus is to get them to repent. And he's preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he's telling people, stop doing the evil that you used to do and turn to Christ, turn to God, turn to the ways that are right rather than the ways that are evil. And so repentance is emphasized in the ministry of John as it should be emphasized in our life because we mess up and we need to repent. And when people come to God, they must repent. They must turn away from the life of sin, sinning on purpose and turn to God. So Jesus comes into the world in Luke chapter two after Gabriel goes and announces his birth to Mary and the shepherds are out in the field. Now, shepherds were outcasts, and God chose to announce the birth of the Savior of the world to them. And of course, when they saw the angel, they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of good things, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
Bethlehem was where Jesus was born. And Micah chapter five predicted that that's where the Messiah would be born and that's where he was born. And Luke is careful to point that out. And Luke is also careful to point out that the shepherds went to find out about these things and they went to where Jesus was. And Jesus was born in a most uh, unspectacular way. Now the virgin birth, of course, was spectacular. That was miraculous. But as far as where he was born, as far as the people that knew about his birth, you know, looking at it from a human standpoint, he should be born in Rome. He should be born in Jerusalem where people could see it and, and people could announce it to the world, but he wasn't. He was born in lowly Bethlehem in a uh, manger. And Jesus began his life, a human life. And he had to be born just like people today are born and he had to grow up. And we get into that uh, later on in chapter two because the Bible says, in fact, Luke is the only one that records anything from his childhood. Uh, he goes missing. They go up to Jerusalem for a feast and while they're traveling home, Jesus is not there. And they look around for him and they have to go back to Jerusalem and they find him asking questions and talking theology, I guess you would say, with the teachers of the law who were amazed at his understanding. And of course, Mary says, we were very upset. We were worried about you. And Jesus makes that famous statement. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? They did not understand what he was talking about, that he was talking about his heavenly father. But he went home with them and the Bible says that he was subject to them. He was obedient to them and he grew up and he advanced in wisdom and knowledge. So Jesus had to be born into the world and he had to be born of a woman and he had to grow up and learn and increase in knowledge just like everyone else does. He did not come into the world knowing everything. He emptied himself, Philippians chapter two tells us, of his prerogatives of Godhood and humbled himself and became human. That's what Luke is emphasizing in Luke chapter one and chapter two. Then in chapter three, he comes to John the Baptist who is baptizing in the wilderness to be baptized by him. And we often wonder why was Jesus baptized? What was the purpose of his baptism? Because John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins and Jesus had no sins that needed to be forgiven. So why was he baptized? He was baptized for us. He was baptized as an example to us and he was baptized in our place because we cannot be baptized perfect. We cannot be baptized good enough. We cannot repent good enough. Everything goes back to what Jesus did for us. He came into this world to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. And I believe that's exactly what his baptism was all about. Now you and I are called to repent and be baptized. Acts 2.38 says that but we cannot be baptized perfectly. Jesus was, and his baptism stood for us. And so when we're baptized, we are united with him, buried with him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life, as Romans chapter six tells us. So this is the way to read the gospel story, to notice the humility of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, the things that Jesus did and said, because this is the story of his life, the story of God's son who came into the world in order to save us. And we needed to be saved and today we still need to be saved and God is the one who will save us through his son, Jesus. But we need to learn about Jesus. Even once we're saved, we need to learn and we need to grow as disciples of Jesus so that we can know about him and his life and we can follow him as a pattern, trust in him as our savior and Lord. 
He comes not only as Savior, he also comes as Lord. And Luke is teaching us about that. He's teaching us about how his life began and how his ministry began. After he's baptized, he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so again, we see Jesus standing in our place. We have failed to resist temptation. Adam failed to resist temptation in the beginning, but Jesus resisted the three temptations that he faced in the wilderness. Now, this was not the only time that he was tempted. Hebrews chapter two, Hebrews chapter four, both teach us that he was tempted in all points like we are. He was tempted his whole life. And because he resisted that, he's able to help those who are tempted. That's you and me. But this was the beginning. This was the beginning of the battle. This was the son of God going into the wilderness to face the devil. We don't learn a lot about the devil here. We don't learn about where he came from. We just learn that he's real and that the Son of God faced him in the wilderness and resisted the temptations. So read the story of the temptation of Jesus and read it in view of the fact that you are tempted and I am tempted on a daily basis to do things that we shouldn't do. But we see Jesus standing against temptation and we see that we have his power at work within us to do what he has called us to do. One of those things is to resist the temptation of the devil and to quench all the fiery darts that the wicked one fires at us, to use Paul's language in Ephesians chapter six. After his temptation, Jesus begins his ministry and his ministry is to preach the good news of the kingdom of God and to be an example to his followers. He begins to call disciples to follow him and he teaches them and he trains them. But what he's doing in the overall scheme of things is he's living a perfect life because the only thing that can please a perfect God is perfection. And so he is living the life that we should have lived but did not, and he's living it in our place and in our stead. Everything that he did was for us. And it's kind of like when he was baptized, the father spoke out of heaven and said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. And the father was well pleased with Jesus and everything that he did. And so we need to understand that we can be pleasing to God only on the basis of what Jesus did. And so we read his life story, recognizing that these things that he did were done for us, were done in our place, in our stead, on our behalf, and we need to understand that Jesus would never have come into this world if we did not need to be saved, if we did not need him to live a perfect life in our stead. And the only way he could die as a perfect sacrifice for us is by living a perfect life and becoming a man so that he could die. He was born to die, but he had to live. He had to live a perfect life. He had to obey God's law perfectly so that he could be a perfect unblemished sacrifice for our sins. And that's the reason that we study his life. And that's what we see in his life is him doing everything exactly right. And so Luke records many of the miracles that he did, records his confrontation with the religious leaders, how he was questioned about various matters, his teaching that he did on an ongoing basis, teaching primarily the disciples, but anyone who was willing to learn and to see what God was all about, to see what the entrance of the Son of God into the world was all about. Jesus taught parables. Jesus healed people from demonic possession. Jesus raised people from the dead. And he did all of these things to prove that he was the Son of God, to prove his deity. His humanity was on perfect display throughout his life, but he was more than just a man. He was the God man. He was God in the flesh. So many wonderful things are taught throughout the gospel of Luke by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Things that we need to know, things that we need to apply to our lives. Are some of them hard to understand? Yes. When you read the book of Luke, will you understand everything that Jesus said? No. 
but you'll get the gist of it and you'll know the point of the teaching. You'll know the point that he's making and what he's calling us to do and the kind of life that he's calling us to live and how he is pointing to himself as the only way of salvation. And one of the things he wants his disciples to understand and to confess is his identity, his identity as the son of God who has come into the world to live perfectly and take away our sins. And then of course, Jesus is betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. He's delivered up to be killed. He dies on the cross and then he is raised from the dead. And after his resurrection, Luke includes some things and records some things that the others do not. So read those things and study them with an appreciation of what the resurrection of Christ means for us. It is God's way of saying that Jesus paid for our sins and that payment has been accepted through Christ. And then after Jesus appears to the disciples, following his resurrection, Luke records his ascension to heaven to be seated at the right hand of God. And so just as he came into this world, he went back to heaven from which he came. And why did he come into this world? Why did he leave heaven's glory to live in this sin-cursed world? That's what the gospel of Luke is all about. He came to save us. Second Corinthians 8 and verse 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he were rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. In other words, he left the riches and the glory of heaven and came into a world of sorrow and sin in order to purchase our salvation to redeem our souls. And then when the work was finished, he is raised from the dead and ascends back to heaven. And that's where the book of Acts is going to open up. Acts is Luke part two, so to speak, because Luke wrote both of those books. And Luke will uh, start off the book of Acts with telling us about the ascension of Jesus back to heaven, just as he ends the gospel of Luke. So it's a fascinating book that you need to study and you need to read and don't get bogged down trying to understand everything. Your goal is not to be a Bible scholar. It is to learn about Christ, to learn what he did for you, to learn how much you mean to him. That's the reason we study the gospel accounts and the gospel of Luke is well worth studying. It is very unique and we need to look at it and we need to look at it more than once. So I encourage you to read the gospel of Luke to learn about your savior. And the only reason we read the Bible, the Jesus book is to learn about him. We'll see you next time on this podcast we call the Jesus book as we seek to learn more about our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ.